Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show today, and I'm so glad that you're here with me. And I have a quick special announcement. I'm very excited to announce that our Moms of Tweens and Teens store is now open. And what I am going to offer to you is if you go and leave a review, a five-star review for this podcast, and you screenshot it, and you email that screenshot to me at Cheryl at momsoftweensandteens.com, the first five moms that I hear from that send me that screenshot, you are going to win a free t-shirt that you can pick out from the store. And we picked out the softest cotton. It fits great. There's hoodies on there and there's coffee mugs and all kinds of good stuff. But we're going to be giving away five free t-shirts and I'll send you the code so you can go there and buy it. We're also offering 20% off right now. So if you don't win, you can still go there and check it out. So I am excited to hear from you and uh, have you win. Those of you that get on over there, the first five and screenshot a review, I can't wait for you to be able to get one of our awesome t-shirts. Well, on to the show. So if you are right now feeling tired and you're weighed down by the daily grind of being a mom and all the responsibilities that we carry, or maybe you're listening and right now you're feeling discouraged and like you're a bad mom, or you're here because you need some encouragement today, I am very excited that you're going to be able to hear this episode. And my special guest today is Meredith Effington, and you are going to feel super encouraged and reassured after listening. Meredith is an award-winning writer and is here today to talk about her wonderful book, The Mother Load, Surviving the Daily Grind Without Losing Your Ever-Loving Mind. Don't you love it? (laughs) And I know I feel like that. I especially feel like that today. I've got to go back and keep reading her book, which is awesome. She just recently released it. And you might know Meredith from her blog, Perfection Pending, or her award-winning writing. She is viewed by hundreds of thousands every day that are 
wanting to hear from somebody that shares the real side of motherhood and will know from reading what she has to share that they're not alone. And she is also the co-owner and editor at FilterFreeParents.com. In this episode, we talk about the mental load we carry as moms and the expectations we put on ourselves, as well as challenges. Meredith talks about her own journey with depression and anxiety and how we can be more present and show up for our kids. The nuggets of wisdom Meredith shares will help you to feel a little less crazy today and a whole lot less alone. So let's dive in. Meredith, welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. I am thrilled. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally, I mean, I followed you and I know you and Jen, who's on my team, know, have known each other going way, way back. And so many, when, many years. <laughs> yes. When you uh, reached out to me and you are, uh, this book is coming out, uh, The Mother Load, your latest book, Surviving the Daily Grind Without Losing Your Ever-Loving Mind. I'm going to show it. Here. I love the book cover. Thank you. Those that are watching the video. And I have to tell you, I mean, your book is raw and it's real. And I was laughing out loud. I'm still reading it. I can't put it down. And and I also was crying during parts. It's such just a yeah, just such a touching book. And oh, thank you so much. That's yeah, what I have. I, that's music to my ears. Yeah. And, and it touched my heart. I read, it resonated so much. So I'm so excited to talk about it. And I know that the listeners are going to have so much comfort from what you have to share with us from all the wisdom that you share in the book. Um, Before we talk about though, uh, and launch in, I want you to share with our listeners a little bit about you. Okay. Well, I'm a mom to three, um, born and raised in Texas, but I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's now home for me. And um, my kids are in the teenage years. So um, I've been around a little while as a mom. Um, But I started writing back in 2007 when everyone had a blog and um, just started putting out there kind of my feelings about parenting. And it was kind of just a way for me to work through my own stuff, you know. But um, I started realizing that what I wanted to see more out in the world and on blogs was more of that real story or the real um, world look at what parenting really is. So not just this sugar-coated, glossed over type of look at motherhood, but really sharing all of it, the hard stuff, the good stuff, and the messy stuff. And so I started doing that and people started paying attention and listening to me. So it kind of, I never really set out to write books and it just kind of morphed into that over time. And this book in particular is something that is just so near and dear to my heart and is something that I really felt strongly needed to be out in the world. So I'm thrilled to be able to be here and talk about it. It's the, you, you talk about the real stuff and the stuff that we don't really want to, we don't often feel safe enough to talk about. 
Yeah, that was really, really important to me. And to be honest, I got some backlash for doing that in the beginning from people that I knew in real life and um, people in my own family and um, not not my husband or kids, but more extended family that were kind of like, why are you putting all of that out there? It looks like you're dwelling on the negative parts of parenting. And I can kind of, I can see how someone might look at it that way. But to me, it was too, it was kind of a two-parter. So it served a purpose for me to work through my own angst and struggles with early parenting. But also I just wanted other parents to know they weren't alone because it's such a lonely place to be when you, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom and your whole world is that little baby in the beginning and you're so wrapped up in that, that maybe you don't quite have you're kind of out of touch with the outside world a little bit, it can be very, very isolating. And I was just craving hearing about the real raw parts of parenting because that's that's what helped me to feel less alone in the beginning. And I wanted to give that to other moms too. Yeah. Did you uh, feel in the beginning when you started being vulnerable and putting it out there in the early days, I'm sure you still feel like this today as well, because it's, it's, you have to be courageous and you're being vulnerable, but were you surprised by the response? Absolutely. And especially, I think what drove me to write this book was the fact that when I would start writing about my own mental health struggles, moms would met that those would be the posts, the ones that were maybe kind of sharing the real raw, ugly truth about something. Those were the ones where moms would send me a DM and say, thank you for being the person to say this out loud because this is how I feel too. Or I've had that same experience or um, I'm really just glad to know that I'm not the only one. And so that made me think people are craving this. They're wanting to talk about this hard stuff because not that many people were talking about it a few years ago. I think we're getting better, but um, I would say 10 years ago, nobody was talking about mental health and parenting and how those two intersect. Yeah. And you struggled with postpartum depression. I did. Or you had your kids. Was it with all of them? It was. Yeah. The first with my daughter, who's my oldest, I didn't realize what it was, which is kind of funny to me in a way, because I knew that I had a family history of mental illness. And, you know, I kind of in the back of my mind always knew that that was something that could happen to me, but I didn't recognize it when I was in it. You know, I I was just trying to survive the day-to-day tasks of trying to figure out how to be a new mom and how to do it perfectly because I was, I'm a perfectionist at heart. And so I was trying to get all the things right and maybe just not really giving a lot of thought to how I was feeling. And then probably when she was about four months old, I realized I'm not crying every single day. Wait a minute. I think I had some postpartum depression going on and I was, I was weepy. Everything was stressing me out. And also postpartum anxiety, which often doesn't get talked about as much as the depression part of things, but just um, not sleeping and feel imagining all these horrible things happening to my child, really anxious thoughts that were almost um, pervasive and hard to get out of my head. All of those things were happening, but it wasn't until those hormones settled down a little bit that I was able to look back and go, oh, that's what that was. Like, 
that's what was going on there. So it's kind of a sneaky thing when it's going on in your brain and you think, oh, this is just because I'm tired or just because of whatever, (laughs) you might make an excuse for it. Um, When in reality, there might be something more serious going on. I'm so glad that we do have more information about that today. Me too. Where we've been shining the light on the postpartum depression piece and mental health and Mm -hmm. anxiety and depression, which you you write a lot about in your book. I do. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to get to that, but you did split your book into four sections. And I just want the listeners to kind of know a little bit about where you go in the book, because we're not going to touch on all of it because there's so much good stuff, but you broke it into four sections. How did you decide what those sections were going to be? Yeah, well, initially when I wrote the book, um, I thought it was going to be just about mental illness and motherhood. But what I realized pretty quickly is that even women that don't struggle with diagnosable mental illness, they struggle with some sort of mental health issue, whether it's the mental load or the expectations society puts on them, or maybe just um, kind of this pervasive culture that we're in right now of toxic positivity. So that's kind of how I divided up the book, because I think every mother that reads this will see herself in one of these sections or maybe multiple sections because I certainly saw myself in all four of them. So it's divided up into the mental load that all moms experience, the little lies that society tells us about what motherhood is going to be, and then the toxic positivity in our culture, things we see on social media that kind of influence our own expectations of what we think motherhood should be. And then last, what it's like to really parent with a mental illness and how that can impact your parenting and your marriage and all of it. So I really, I think that no matter where you're at in your parenting journey, you can take something away from this book. For sure. Most definitely. And I saw myself in each, each part of it and they, they can even overlap, even the the mental illness part. I think that so many uh, moms can relate to even the the beliefs that we believe, you know, that's causing pain and uh, suffering for us. Uh, Right. Yeah. In our, in carrying our mother load. Um, So I, you know, there's so much good stuff, but I really see that there was uh, several chapters that I really wanted to focus in on because I see it being a struggle. It's been a struggle in my own life. And I see it a lot working with moms is the chapter, if you just try hard enough. Mm -hmm. And I really resonated with trying so hard to get it right. (laughs) <laughs> we, yes. have, yeah, we have a membership now and, you know, and I just absolutely love every mom that's in there. And it's interesting because the moms that sign up are the moms that are trying so hard to get everything right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think those of us that worry the most are the ones that are probably doing the best job, honestly, <laughs> because we're the ones trying so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet there's a cost to that, which you really talk about striving and talk, you know, talk, a speak a little bit to this. Yeah. I mean, I think that like I said a minute ago, I was a perfectionist going into motherhood and I had all these expectations for myself that I 
thought I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to do that. I talk a lot about yelling in my book. That was a big thing for me is like, I am not going to be a yeller um, because I grew up with a mom that was a yeller and um, it was hard for me as a kid. And so I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to give my children what maybe I didn't get as a kid, which was this calm, peaceful home with a mom that never yelled. Right. And so I had these kind of expectations for myself. And then when I failed at those expectations, it was really hard on my mental health because I felt like I was screwing it all up. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like um, my kids were going to grow up and hate me one day. <laughs> and, you know, I, I kind of laugh about it now because, you know, I'm 16 years into parenting I've definitely worked a lot on the yelling, but I've also come a long way in my own mental health journey and been able to find the things that have helped me just be more calm and collected like I want to be. But I've also realized that I'm not that mom that's going to be the calm and collected mom all the time. I've got a fiery, passionate personality. And I think we have to look at ourselves and figure out, okay, what are my hopes and dreams and goals for myself as a mom. And then also look at what's my capacity? What's realistic for me? Am I able to do that? Because some people don't ever yell and that's great. But then there there are those of us that, you know, we are a little more passionate in the way we speak. And maybe we've got a sensitive kid that's going to think, anything we say is yelling at them, right? (laughs) So I think it's about this um, kind of way of balancing what our desires and hopes are and what our capacity actually is. Yeah, I loved that in the book. You know, the expectations we put on ourselves, and then we have this desire, but it doesn't meet up with our capacity. And can we be okay with that? I love, uh, it's not, you say it's not in my DNA, DNA toolbox. Yeah. (laughs) And and thinking like, I hear so often from moms, well, I'm, you know, my friend, you know, she she just looks like she has it all together. Her house is so clean and she's had five kids and they're all on schedules and they're embedded a good time. And I'm just a mess over here, you know, and and then we compare and then what happens is, is we're frustrated with our kids and they're not, they're not getting with the program and feeds, feeds that rather than, okay, well, maybe you talk about that, um, washing your floors. (laughs) You say something about washing, mopping your floors. I'm the mom that avoids mopping my floors often. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and there, there's probably a mom out there that like mops her floors religiously every week. And that's fine. That if that works for her and that makes her happy, that's great. But for me, you know, I, I have to constantly balance. Okay. And I think every mom is like this. You need to figure out where your priorities are, where your values are as a mother and what's the most important because you cannot do it all at the same time. It's impossible. And so you have to, I mean, I think motherhood is a constant balancing act between um, figuring out who we are, how we can stay sane, how we can be good parents, but also recognizing that our kids love us no matter what. 
And if you have to yell after the 34th time you've told them to put their shoes on to get them to listen, it's not ideal, right? But it's not, you know, parenting abuse by any means either. It's you're knowing your family dynamic, what works for you and your kids. And your kids are going to love you regardless. They really are. How did that help you when you start embracing more of your own motherhood and yourself? Like what, what started shifting? Um, I think just understanding that it's not my, let me think how I want to say this. I think that understanding that we all have our capacity of what we're capable of doing and for me being able to understand that I'm not my mother, right? I'm not going to be exactly like she was. I'm going to get some things right and get some things wrong, but I'm trying my best. And I think being able to understand that, you know, I can, I can give myself some, give myself and my kids some of those things I didn't get as a kid to an extent, but at the same time, that shouldn't really be our goal. Our goal should be trusting our gut and our instinct and knowing what's best for that kid. Um, Because I know for myself, I have three children, they're all three very different and they need to be parented very differently, which means I'm constantly having to kind of ebb and flow and figure out what works for what kid and embrace um, their needs and my needs. And it's just all a huge balancing act. Like being in a family with all these personalities and all of these different needs and then trying to heal your childhood wounds. Like it's, (laughs) it's, you know, it's craziness, right? So you, you can only do so much. And I think once I kind of let go of that idea that, I was never going to be that mom that never yelled at her kids, or I was never going to be that mom that um, did it all perfectly or kept her floors mopped every week or whatever it is the expectation (laughs) I'd put on myself was. I became a much more peaceful parent and a much more just um, a parent that could forgive herself easily. And it, it would naturally morphed into a parent that could apologize easily could embrace my own um, mistakes and go to my kids and say, look, I was really overwhelmed in that moment. And I'm sorry that that came out um, in this way towards you. And this isn't about you. And just having those conversations with my kids as they've gotten older has been very healing for me to know that I am doing it differently than how I was raised. And I'm doing a good job. You know, it's not perfect. (laughs) And I'm doing a good job. Yeah, I, gosh, I love that. You articulate it so well in the book and you're articulating it so well right now with how I can often feel that letting go, like I think of my, my oldest, bless her heart. And I read your story about like the potty training and all that. I was Mm -hmm. so related. Yeah painful things, you know, like, oh, I just go in the bedroom and cry. Like, I wish I hadn't done that, you know? Right. Um, But I feel like the more that I've let go of that perfectionism and been more embracing, you know, and, and done the hard work on myself and the therapy and yes. all of that, that it's been this beautiful healing journey to accept more of the mess 
Like I'm human. I'm not going to do it perfectly. Neither are my kids. And you bring that up in the book and like they're learning and we're learning and it's going to be messy sometimes. And And the beautiful part of that is not only that, but you're teaching your kids. It's okay if they're messy. It's okay if they screw up. It's okay if they're not doing it perfectly because I I've noticed in my teens, they put so much pressure on themselves. There's so much pressure from society to take all the AP classes and get into a good college and have these successful careers and do all these big things. That's not something I was ever drilling into my teenagers, but somehow they've internalized it, right? So by being able to be an example to our kids that sometimes things don't go as planned and that's okay. And you learn to make mistakes and pick yourself up and ebb and flow and change and, and figure out how to do things differently, that that's life. That's what it's about. Yeah. There's a lot more acceptance of ourself and our kids, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You talk, you know, you talk about, about that, about the, you know, what our kids really need from us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not to be that perfect mom. Can you share a little bit about what you did? You touched on it, but what you feel like our kids really do need. And we get, we kind of get off course. Yeah, I I think I don't think this is in the book, but I I remember that there was one summer that I I had my kid kids make a bucket list of what they wanted to do with me that summer. And I was imagining like go to Disneyland or go to the zoo every day or whatever, all these big things. And what they came back with was just like the cutest, sweetest little list where they just really wanted to spend time with me. And they, they were perfectly content doing things at home. Like I remember my daughter, um, she, I don't know, she was maybe 10 or 11 at the time. And she said she wanted to have an art show at home. And I asked her, what, what do you mean by an art show? And she wanted us all to draw pictures and then put them up on the walls and kind of like judge them and look at them like we were having our own little art show. And it was just the easiest, simplest idea. And so I think so often we, we think that needs to be these grand gestures for our kids, for them to remember. But I think they really do just need us to be there and show up. And to give some undivided attention every day. And that doesn't mean that you're never looking at your phone or that you're, you know, not distracted with dinner and homework and all that stuff. It just means being intentional about um, and being in tune with when they really need you and being able to give five minutes here, 10 minutes there to kind of tap into what their needs are in that moment. And I think that's what it's all about. Honestly, I think it's pretty simple what they need from us. We make it so much more complicated. We do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because I remember asking one of my kids, I said, what is, what's one thing that I do that you really like? And I might even ask what's the number one thing I do that you like the most. And she said, when you laugh at my jokes. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And here, and I was hard on her, you know, and and when you laugh at my jokes, it was so simple, you know, but she loved to think when she felt funny and like I was laughing and she does have a great sense of humor. And 
And that just kind of sums it up for me. You know, when you laugh at my joke, so simple. Um, it is. It's it's so simple. And I think if all of us went to our kids and asked that, what's something that you like that I do? We'd be surprised at the simple answers. I could almost guarantee my boys answers would be hugs and snuggles because I'm really good at that. I'm really good at giving hugs and snuggling them. And even my 14 year old sometimes still lets me snuggle him. <laughs> so um, I think, I think it really is that simple. And I think my daughter would probably answer just like sitting down and talking with her and spending time with her. She's a time person. That's what she wants and needs. So we can do that. I think just showing up and loving our kids is really all we need to do. And that's something that comes naturally to all of us. Yeah. So good, Meredith. You have a chapter on, we don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. And you have a section in the book that's around your mental health journey and struggling with anxiety and depression And, you know, why don't we talk about that? You know, why did you write that chapter? Let's just go there. Yeah, I mean, I'm a kid of the 80s and 90s. And so, um, you know, I grew up in with a family history of mental illness. Um, My mom struggled, cousins, aunts and uncles um, on that side of the family. And so I, I saw things when I was a kid, but I don't ever remember anyone talking about it. And so I want to change that with this next generation of kids. And you know what? They're already so much better about talking about it than we were and that, that are as certainly than our parents were. And I, you know, my mom read my book and I was nervous about that because, um, you know, I have a good relationship with my mom, but at the same time, there are some things in there that I was worried she would look at and think she was a failure as a mom. And she sent me the nicest card this week that just said, you know, was asking me these questions like, well, how did you feel as a kid when that was happening? And I'm, you know, I'm so sorry that I wasn't there for you, but I know that I did my best. And I, I was able to kind of just see from her perspective for a minute that even though they didn't talk about it back then, um, every parent wants the best for their kids. And I think by talking about this more, we're going to be able to break down the stigma that we don't, this idea that there's something wrong with us or broken if we struggle with mental illness. And that was my whole goal was just to say, look, I know we haven't talked about this in the past, but it was there. It was real for me as a kid. And sure, I wish I maybe had gotten help earlier, but it doesn't change the fact that I was loved and my mom cared about me. And, um, you know, I think by giving our kids more tools in their toolbox of how to deal with these hard things and how to deal with the pressures that they're facing, that they're going to be a thousand times better off than we were as kids. And so that's just what I hope that we can do is just change the narrative around that and around how mental health impacts our parenting and how it impacts our kids because they're under so much pressure and um, kind of scary things in the world today that we need to be talking about. And mental health has to be a part of that conversation. Absolutely. I just have to say, I love that your mom read the book and that she responded like that. And that is scary. Mm-hmm. And that your healing journey 
can bring so much and our healing journey can bring so much healing to our family. Yeah. Yeah. It's really difficult to heal if we don't talk about it. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, I've, I've gone that route with my mom of not talking about it, but as, as she's gotten older and as I've gotten older, we've been able to kind of have the, have these hard, uncomfortable conversations and, um, you know, it's not all sunshine and roses. I'll tell you that, but, (laughs) but it is a way that she can heal too, because parenting isn't easy for anyone. And we all come to the table with our strengths, but also flaws and our insecurities and the, um, for myself, anxiety and depression, like we come to the table and we've got to just show up and be authentic about who we are. And I think if we can be authentic with our kids about mental illness, then it is only going to heal and help the relationship that we have with our kids. Yeah. And it really does start by by taking that healing journey ourselves. Yes. You talk about that. You talk about, you know, being in therapy, Mm -hmm. talk about EMDR, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I love that you talk about that. Um, How has that, how has that changed uh, um, and helped you to heal? Like talk about the difference. Oh my gosh. It's been life-changing. I mean, I, tell people that I was a different mom 10 years ago than I am now. I was a mess. (laughs) We're all a mess in some, in some way, but by not prioritizing my mental health, I was doing a disservice to my entire family. And that's just the truth. I, um, am so much more, look, I'm not a perfect parent. No one is, but I'm so much more, um, just accepting, authentic, able to, like I said before, say I'm sorry, able to recognize when I need self-care. I just think there's just more balance to all of it since I have gone to therapy. And I, I, you know, I went through a whole journey, really. I mean, I started out going to therapy and that helped for a little while. And then my therapist gently told me, yeah, maybe it's time to try medication. And I really fought against that and then decided, okay, I can do this and and took the plunge and did it. And I saw a change in myself. And honestly, it's, it's been a night and day difference for me personally to be able to have my mental health under control and parent and be the kind of parent that I always wanted to be. And it's okay to admit that we might need help and that we can't just, you know, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and hope for the best and white knuckle our way through it. Sometimes we need to have extra tools. Like you said, that DNA toolbox, like I come by the depression and the anxiety, honestly. So maybe some things aren't going to be as natural to me as they might be to another mom. And that's okay to admit that, seek out help. and become the best version of yourself. You deserve that as a parent and your kids deserve that too. Yeah. I love your Instagram post, by the way, that you put up. I don't know how long ago it was, but you all around the acceptance piece. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To accept, I'm going to need help, you know, accept that I like, that's okay. We need help. And and absolutely. And, And we need to radically accept 
that we need help. Because I think accepting you need help is going to come because you're going to hit rock bottom in one form or another. You're going to feel, you know, like I really am not handling this well and I need help. But radical acceptance is getting that help and not judging yourself for it. And I think that's the piece that I was missing for a long time. You know, I begrudgingly took the antidepressant and fought against it for a long time. And then now I'm like writing this book and shouting it from the rooftops, you know, like do what you need to do because you deserve to be the best version of yourself. And if that means therapy or medication or a combination of both or whatever that looks like for you, I mean, there's countless ways out there to seek help. Um, do it because you will not regret it. You will not regret putting your mental health as a priority. Yeah, I love that. Like radical acceptance. It's not just asking for help. It's not, I don't remember your exact words, but not judging yourself. Yeah. yeah, Not criticizing, judging, shaming ourselves that we need it. Like, where do we get that message that we shouldn't need it? Yeah. I mean, I think that message comes from the fact that we never used to talk about this. And so it used to be the thing that our parents and grandparents kind of hid from the family when there was somebody that was taking medication or an alcoholic or that was hospitalized or whatever it might have been in your family history. Um, That was usually hidden. And so I think the fact that we're bringing some of these topics out in the open is going to take away that shame around it. You know, I love Brene Brown and she talks a lot about shame and being vulnerable and putting it out there and being authentic because that's the only thing that's going to get rid of that shame. And I think not everybody has to write a book about their mental health journey to get rid of that shame, but maybe just get rid of that shame in your own home, talking to your kids and your spouse and your immediate family about what you're going through is going to eliminate some of that shame. And it's going to allow them to talk about their struggles and not absolutely. feel like something's wrong with them. Right. Absolutely. And, and we come, you know, I want to thank you for being courageous because we come with those beliefs from our family of like, don't talk about it. Right. Shameful. And just you being able to, your fan, you know, even hearing from whoever that was, friends, family say, oh, do you really, you know, want to put, why would you want to put that? There it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, there's that little message I grew up with. Don't put it out there. And, and I understand it brings up, a, you know, it brings up a lot of different things, but we have to really investigate like those beliefs that we have, like, you know, don't talk about it go, no, that's really not true. Exactly. Or, yeah. You talk about the belief I'm broken. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I used to believe, I used to think that about myself and I used to just have so much self-loathing around this idea that um, my brain was broken and therefore I'm not good. I'm never going to be the kind of wife or mother that I want to be. And um, I really push against that narrative now because I, what is normal these days? I mean, <laughs> honestly, we all struggle with something. That's what this book is about. Like we're, maybe you don't have clinical depression, but you've probably been depressed in your life. We all go through these big emotions that, and and some of these emotions like anger and rage and um, sadness are things that are 
considered shameful by society or things that we shouldn't talk about, or maybe for some people, things we shouldn't even have at all. And I really push against that now because that's part of the human experience is um, feeling all of these emotions, working through them and figuring out, I mean, life isn't about never being unhappy. Like that's, that's not the goal. Um, Unhappiness, sickness, um, all of it is part of the journey, right? And so if we can't get to a place where we accept that it's part of the journey, it's not going to be good for us mentally. We're going to be continually fighting against what is a natural feeling and emotion for all of us, those natural highs and lows that we have in the human experience. And don't we want to pass on to our kids that it's okay? It's okay to feel sad sometimes. It's okay to have disappointments. It's okay to fail. It's okay to have anger. Like I, that's just what I want for future generations is to pass on to them that some of those feelings are okay. There's nothing to be ashamed about it. And by doing that, I think honestly, so much in our world can change just by destigmatizing some of those feelings that are portrayed in society as negative. I love that. It's like our greatest desire is to be accepted for who we really are, like warts, ugly, you know, ugliness. Mm-hmm. I like ugly cry. You're not going to like run away from me and right. disgusting, which is what I used to believe to like, don't show that because, you know, people are going to reject you and we all long to be, to be accepted. And of course it has to be with safe people, but uh, I think that is why your message in your book, it's so important for us to know, hey, it's okay. You're not broken. I, I have said to like, God, like, why did you give me this brain? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've said that same yeah, thing. I know you're like, it's like puzzle pieces are missing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel that way. I have one friend I cry, I call and cry when I feel that way. Like, what's wrong with my brain? And she's like, my brain's broken too. <laughs> and it's really not broken. It's like, you know, and there's this beautiful connection that happens in that. When we can mm-hmm. just like be, we're not, we're not broken. We all have our different things and like love and accept each other. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, for the mom that is listening, Meredith, uh, that's feeling discouraged. Um, she's just feeling right now, like she's failing, like nothing she does is right. Um, you know, spending a lot of time up, worried, anxious at night, what would, what's, what's something you would want to say to her? Yeah, I guess my biggest thing would be to try to figure out a way to recognize the wins that you do have, because we all have them. We sure we could, it's easy for us to list all those failures and all of those times when we screw up or when we don't know what to do about a parenting issue. But we've got a lot of wins in there too. And I think so often we gloss over those and we're just thinking, oh, I'm just glad I made it through that. Instead of really slowing down and saying, hey, I did that really well. I have this ability to do some things really well. And um, also just a plug for self-care. You know, when I was a new mom, I did it. I didn't know how to make that a priority. I don't even think I really knew what self-care was. Mm -hmm. And um, just finding things that make you feel alive again, apart from your children. Um, 
that make you feel human. And it's different for everybody. For me, being able to write about my parenting journey is a healing thing. It helps me process my emotions and it helps me feel like I'm doing okay. Like at the end of the day, I'm doing okay. And so I think everybody needs to find that thing that lights your fire and makes you who you are. Because at the end of the day, the kids are going to leave. They're going to move out. And it's, and we're, we're still going to be moms. We're still going to worry. We're still going to have stress, but at the same time, they, we have to keep ourselves alive in all of it, you know, and that's a struggle, especially when they're in those little bitty phases. But I think for your audience who is, you know, moms of teens and tweens, you, you get to this point probably in midlife where you're going, oh crap, you see the writing on the wall. You see that they're going to leave you. And maybe you've devoted so much to them that you've lost yourself a little bit. And so it's time to figure out where that self went and find her again. Yes. I love that so much. Yeah. That's ending on such a good note and finding her. And it's okay if you haven't found her yet. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still finding myself and I'm 45 years old. (laughs) In fact, I am, I am going back to school in my forties. I don't know if you knew that, but I am getting my master's degree right now. Yeah. And so, um, that was a big, scary thing for me to, to go back to school as a 45 year old woman and think here I am doing another pivot again. And that's okay. It's, I think that's what life is all about, right? Yeah. And you're going to, and you're going back to school to become a therapist, right? Yeah. I'm getting my master's in mental health counseling. So, yep. I'm very excited. I just love it, Meredith. Yeah. Good for you. Very exciting. Thank you. Yeah. And we can all find those things, you know, and and start that journey and play with different things and, um, yeah. And, you know, see what fits and lights us up, like you said. Yes, exactly. So tell them where to find you. When's your book? It's on pre-order now. It is. It's coming out soon. It's April 18th. It it is available for pre-order on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, um, anywhere online that you buy books, you can find the mother load and I'm at perfectionpending.net. That's my kind of home base. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, everywhere. Basically you can just Google my name and I'll pop up there. (laughs) So, um, I'm pretty much everywhere, but I, I love hearing from moms that, are struggling or that have been through some of these same issues. So for sure, reach out. If you've read The Mother Load, then I want to hear from you and hear how it's impacted you because I really do feel passionately that this book can be a balm for our souls. Like we've been through a rough few years with COVID and everybody I think has seen some sort of mental health issue manifest in their life the past couple years. And I really feel like this can be a healing balm for, for moms. Absolutely. And you talk about the mother, the mother load and that just by reading it, it's going to lighten your mother load. I hope so. That's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Meredith. Thank you so much for coming on and for being with me and with my listeners. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for today. And thank you, friend, for joining me. 
And don't forget, go over and leave a five-star review if you're enjoying this podcast and take a screenshot and email me at Cheryl at moms of tweens and teens.com. And the first five of you that I hear from will win one of our t-shirts from our new Moms of Tweens and Teens store. So I cannot wait to get your emails and for you to be able to get one of our t-shirts. Also, if you don't follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you can find us at Moms of Tweens and Teens there, and I hope you will give us a follow. We always share really uplifting, helpful uh, articles and resources and all kinds of great stuff, and I would love to connect with you. I also do a Facebook Live on the Facebook page every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, and I just love connecting with you there as well. So I look forward to seeing you next week and have all kinds of great guests that are coming up, and I can't wait for you to hear from them. So great connecting with you today, and have a great week, and I will see you back here next time.